Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast. We want to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about our ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. Well, I'm Naomi Ludeman, and while Joel is off playing around, he asked a couple of us to fill in for him, and I am honored that he asked me. And to get to be up here with my husband, Brian. I really like that. Well, this summer we have embarked on a series about Psalms. And so the first week, which I missed, there were a couple of people who got up and told about the meaning of some specific Psalms to them. I love those kinds of um, services where people talk about God's work in their life. And then last week, Joel told us about how naughty he is. Yeah, remember that? And um, that he eventually came upon Psalms 1 and just let that speak into him as a young person and turned his face to God. And now we have him today standing by the streams of living water, which is what Psalms 1 talks about. And we're so glad. Well, today, instead of talking about a specific psalm, which is what's going to happen from here on out for the rest of the summer, I wanted to take a bird's eye view. Okay, kids, you know, birds from the sky, they're looking down. And we're going to learn about, talk about today, kind of the entire book. Look at it as a a big book, this entire ancient collection of songs that we've come to call the Psalms. And, And think about how do we make sense of this collection? Um... As a affiliate professor at Sioux Falls Seminaries, I work really closely with my students on their hermeneutical practices. I think this is a really important, really important skill and thing to figure out. So that's what we're going to do today. So what is hermeneutics? Well, in case you didn't get your little flyer, you can tell I'm a teacher. It's this big, long outline that I created. So just raise your hand if you want one, and maybe someone can get one to you. But hermeneutics is the theory and method of how we make meaning of what the Bible says in the original reading, in their time, place, culture, language, and then how we can reasonably transfer that to our place, time, culture, and language. It asks these questions, these who, what, where, when, why questions, like who is the original author? When was it written? What was happening at the time that it was written? What type of literature form is it? Poetry, a letter, history, and so on. So I thought we might take a good look for just a few moments as an example at Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, and so on, as Psalms 23 goes. And perhaps like you, you've taken comfort in this psalm frequently. As a hospice chaplain, I use it with a lot of patience. The image of an ancient agrarian setting is a scene that we can imagine today. Sheep, shepherds. Beautiful green pasture, still calm waters, if you're from Minnesota. Wandering sheep that needs a shepherd's staff to keep us on that right path. The psalm offers a scene of care and comfort. And we can feel God as shepherd doing his job to keep the sheep safe from the cliffs and the foes of this world, just like us. 
This makes Psalm 23 accessible to us as we connect with the shepherd and how we understand God. But did you know that in ancient Hebrew that a reference to a shepherd was also a reference to a king, as we can learn in Ezekiel 34? At this place and time in Hebrew history, few kings were doing what they were supposed to do for their job. And the Hebrew people were not doing such a good job either. So when Psalms 23 makes this reference to the shepherd, the reader of that day would go, oh, he's talking about the king and we're the sheep and we're straying. But look at what God and the kings of the Hebrew kings are supposed to be doing. This was a reminder, a wake up to them. And so while we might not think quickly of a king, the original reader would. So if we do think of Psalm 23 as also about this double meaning of shepherd and king, what might that do for us as readers? This is what we call the hermeneutical practice of contextual theology. Contextual theology, yeah, you're laughing away. Sorry, sorry, I'm an academic. Contextual theology is a study of how people from different times and places and cultures make meaning of the Bible, of God and how we live together in the world. It helps us approach scripture from a contextual theology way to better minister to and with others who think and believe differently from ourselves. For example, I participated in a ministry in Ukraine with the Ukrainian Theological Baptist Church for eight years. Each summer, this ministry connected mostly Minnesota Baptist churches with Ukrainian Baptist churches. We would go to Ukraine and lead Bible studies, our camps and for youth and kids and all sorts of different things in 50 different communities. And as a professor at that time of global studies at Bethel University in St. Paul, one of the things I was curious about and then able to research during those years there uh, was why the evangelical Baptist churches that read the same Bible that we read and studied, why they believed some things that were distinctly different from us in Minnesota in our Baptist churches. Well, one of the beliefs that I found fascinating, as my friend Pastor Sergei said, described it was a flat theology about God meaning that they didn't attempt to explain all of the characteristics of God that we try to explain, like God is all-knowing, all-present. No, they believe that it's not appropriate to describe God in that way. In fact, God should remain a mystery and unknowable, and that we are not and we should not think of God using human concepts and explanations. Well, how could, this con how could this contrast in Ukrainian and U.S. Baptist beliefs so different if we read and studied the same Bible? The short answer is that Christianity in Ukraine has been living in the eastern region of the world that has a very different history from us in the West. And the result for me and my fellow Minnesota ministers is that as we came to know these differences, we talked together, we learned about one another's theology even though we read the same Bible. And we were careful as Minnesotans to minister with our Ukrainian friends to Ukrainians. Well, another beautiful benefit of my understanding and relationship with God 
our relationship, understanding of their understanding of God is that it expanded, it deepened, it strengthened my understanding of God. I took on some of that ways of thinking of God as, as being unknowable. God is more mystery to me now. That has expanded my understanding. We were practicing contextual theology. And that's what we can do today in our bird's eye study of the Psalms. The book of Psalms is, as author Joshua James has written, needs to be written, read from the perspective that Psalms is very old, really old. And that means that we have some interpretive work to do in our effort to understand it. And that's what we're going to do this summer. So let's do some contextual theology. Let's apply some of those questions and consider four things about Psalms. Because Psalms is really old, it was, really, it was written in really old, now dead language. It was written in ancient Hebrew, not even modern Hebrew. Like, you know, we can barely understand or read Shakespeare's 17th century written English. Well, the same would apply. And that's just a few hundred years old. Ancient Hebrew was written 2,500 years ago, give or take a few thousand years. And that is really old, right? Well, because Psalms is really old, it employs really old literary devices, the techniques of writing. We did not learn about these techniques in our English classes. I'll tell you that because I was an English teacher. For example, biblical poetry, it doesn't follow the same um, rhyme that we know anything about today. It used, and we haven't even been able to crack the code of that, um, that rhyme meter. So when we read it today, yeah, we can get a feel like for some rhythm that's there, we can feel that, but really we can't apply some of that. We have insight into some things, and I'm confident we're gonna learn some about that this summer. Number three, because Psalms is really old, it's dependent upon some really old theologies. Like, in the time that the Psalms was written, they believed in multiple gods. They were not a single god, monotheistic way of thinking. And that's kind of strange for us. But that's, and when we see in other places of scripture, there's reference to other gods. And they believed that that was the normal way of doing things. But that would be an aspect of their theology that's quite different. And we see it all over the Old Testament and the New Testament today. Number four, because Psalms is really old, it presupposes an old view of the world. Okay, here's some examples. It took place in the Middle Easter, Middle East. It's a very different Middle East from today. Believe me, I've lived there. It took place in a desert, not the prairie. <laughs> the people were tribal in how they organized themselves and lived. Their government was monarchy-oriented, not an election and democracy. They were living, as I said, in a time that believed in lots of gods. And in contrast, then, we live in the Western culture. On the prairie, it's not tribal. We're very individualistic in the way we do things. They were very collectivist in the way they do things. We take great pride in personal liberty, 
Not so much. It was about family honor that was so important to them and still is today. So there are a lot of differences in our culture in the way that we view the world. Another big difference is that Jesus hadn't come yet in the Psalms. They knew this Messiah was coming. They were waiting for this messianic age. Today, we know Jesus. We know the difference that that makes. So we need to read the Psalms and think about the Psalms from that perspective, from the original writer. So what's the conclusion from these four, point, four points? We actually don't know a whole lot about or understand a whole lot about those who wrote Psalms. Psalms is old, old, old. And yet, Psalms is a book that so many of us can and do hold in high esteem. And we read it as part of our regular, some of us, daily Bible reading. And we gain a deep, meaningful understanding about who God is and who we are in humanity. So just as I learned to be careful about how I drew meaning and understood my Ukrainian friends and how they understood scripture, we need to do that today in our reading of the whole Bible and of Psalms. And again, that's what we're going to do this summer. Okay, so the next hermeneutical question. Time and place in the world. Psalms was not written in a day. Nope. And as I said, it was written some 2,500 years ago. And it was written over a couple of hundred years, over five eras of history. The scholarly conclusion is, is that it was written by several different people. And then it had editors that put it together and then put these bookends of Psalm 1 and 2 on one end and then Psalm 150 at the other end. In fact, hold on to your seats, some of you. The many Psalms that are attributed to King David as the author, he actually didn't write very many of them. He only wrote about 13 of them. Okay, so what's going on? Let's take a look. At the beginning of the Bible, of most psalms, is a title. When a psalm has what is referred to as a long title, that's more detailed, we can be fairly confident that it's, being, it's specifically referring to an event in David's life. Like Psalms 18, reads like this. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies. Now that's a specific event. An event with Saul and David. But for many of the psalms, most of the other psalms, it's just this reference. Something like a psalm of David, of David, to the choir master, a psalm of David. And then there's these strange references like to the choir master according to the doe of the dawn. Well, we can join the scholars. They don't know what that means either. Okay. But what do these other references mean? What does it mean to us that David didn't write all of them? What's going on? What was the goal, the purpose of the editors, the writers of them? Well, let's look at Psalms 137. It begins, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. Let's start with the last line, when we remembered Zion. This is a reference to the city of Zion, or what we better know today as Jerusalem, that was built about a thousand years 
before Christ was born, and it was built during kind of the, the life of David and Solomon, his son. The reference to the rivers of Babylon in the, in the first line, that's about a time when the Hebrew people were enslaved by the Babylonians, which took place in the sixth century, about five to seven years after David died. The enslaved people sat and wept by the rivers in the region of Babylon. David definitely did not write Psalm 137 because he was dead, but there's this reference to him. So again, what's going on? Why are they attributing these psalms to David. There are several things happening. Remember, Psalms is a very old, old book. And so when they refer to David, the reader of that time knows something else is going on. They're used to that kind of reference. So one explanation is that uh, it became a religious tradition. In the early Jewish New Testament era reader would have likely known this kind of reference. So is it incorrect for us today to say, and the Psalms written by David? Well, technically, yeah, it is incorrect. But uh, the author reference seems to be part of this religious tradition, as I said, and there's not a harmful impact when we say it's uh, make that reference to David or attribute the authorship to him. So when I use it as a chaplain with hospice patients and say, let's read Psalm 23 by the good shepherd and the, who became king, that's okay. Are there any, is there anything else going on in this who's the author question? Well, yes, there is, and I think this is what's special. Scholars conclude that what the writers are more likely doing is making a reference to David because they want the readers and listeners of the Psalms to instruct us, remind us, encourage us of David's life and how he lived it in spite of all his flaws. Something like, maybe you can use this Psalm in a situation roughly equivalent to David's story. Or, I want to remind you of this through the content and form of the Psalms. This is what I want you to remember. The joys and sorrows that we and tragedies of this life happen to all of us, David included. Let's be real about its impact on our lives. Let's be sad and be mad as the Psalms writers are mad. Be bewildered, grieve and cry out claw out for reasons about something that is unexplainable, just like what we read in Psalms. Scream out to God. Hate your enemies. Hate injustice. Lament. God is a big God. He can take it. And, as we read repeatedly in Psalms, when we study it from a bird's eye view, we see that in the same breath as the ranting about God, we see this pattern. But remember, God is faithful. Just as he was faithful to David and the people of Israel. Follow the Torah, the law, the commands of God. Have hope. Hope in a Messiah that is coming. The Messiah being Jesus. Lament, be sad and hope. 
God is faithful to redeem us just like David. This is more likely what all those references of David are trying to help us remember. So what difference does this make for us, us as so many of us read the Psalms as part of our Bible reading habit? And we hear here in the song, we sang one today. Well, for me, it frees me up from trying to figure out um, what's going on with David. This isn't quite following the story that I know. Or did I miss something? Do I not know my Bible stories? I have a seminary degree. I should know this stuff. It just releases me from that. And instead, I join with humanity that's really, really old. We have the same experience about life. I'm not alone. We are not alone. And God is still the God of hope, faithfulness, and redemption. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now for my last hermeneutic question today. For the longest book of the Bible with 150 chapters, is there anything significant about the order of how it was put together? Yes. Biblical scholars mostly agree that yes, there is definitely something going on. You'll notice that there are five books of division within the book of Psalms. It was for a purpose that the editors put it together in that particular sequence. And it's so that the readers, the listeners, for us even today, that we would listen, be reminded, encouraged, that for generations to come, there are some things about God that we need to remember. And we are that generation. All the generations to come, but it is definitely for us today. The themes are patterned after this. The Torah, the law, God's commands, and the Messiah. Lament, be sad, be mad, ask God what's going on in life. I don't get it. It's not making sense. And praise, have faith and hope. So on your outline, I have this link. What's up there on the screen? Yeah, okay. I have this link for you that first shows some of this Bible history that I've been talking about. But there's also a link to a really great nine-minute video that we're not going to listen to because it's kind of long. But it tells about, it's called From the Bible Project, and it talks about how this um, structure, this sequence was put together. It's really fast. It's packed full of information. You've got the link there. Thank you, Kaya. There might be an error in the link. I'm not sure, but where it says U T U dot B E, I think it's supposed to be YouTube. I'm not sure if that dot is supposed to be there or not. So just check on that. But just look up the Bible Project, the Book of Psalms. And it's a really great, helpful thing. Cheryl Hartman, who was working with me on the sermon a little bit, said, oh, you're not going to play that? That's really good. And Joel says the same thing, because he hasn't done it yet either. So I recommend that to you. What do I hope you take away from this time together this morning? I haven't given you any kind of little ditty to say, remember this during the week. But this is really what I hope inside that during this week 
as you might pick up the Bible, bring it up on your phone, listen to music and go, oh, I think that's from a psalm, that you will fall in love just a little bit more with the word of God, with psalms. That you'll fall in love with this very old ancient book. That you will be encouraged by it. That you will join with humanity. That you will see hope and truth for you today. Just as the original readers from so long ago found hope. I read the old Psalms and let them minister to me all the time whether I understand what's going on or not, whether I understand the ancient context or not. That's what we can come here together and learn together about. But what I hear is people who have suffered like I have suffered and take encouragement as I have taken encouragement. This is what I hope and trust for all of you. I hope you look forward to this series of a summer of psalms that we can learn together, the hermeneutics, the contextual theology of our psalms. Please join with me in prayer. We will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn us up and have not let our foes rejoice over us. O Lord, our God, we cried to you for help and you have healed us. O Lord, you have brought up our souls from Sheol. You restored us to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you God's saints. Give thanks to God's holy name. For God's anger is but for a moment, and God's favor is for a time. Weeping may tarry for the night, but God and the joy, joy comes with the morning. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, please visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and may God bless you.